0: Sports talk with a little bit of an edge. Can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I can. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh.
1: Someone's been peeing on a toilet in the third floor here at work. Not in the urinal. In a stall, right there on the seat. And I have a couple of guesses as to who it is. It's either Stan, or it's Madden. Stan because he's old. Madden because he can't see where he's aiming. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Last week, I told you that the Capitals were just as good as the Penguins. I thought that this had a good chance of being the year that Washington finally got it done versus the Pens. Now, it could still go that way. It might not. Both teams, though, are playing well. The Penguins could have and probably should have won game three. The Capitals could have won last night's game. This series is toy like a toy, Goals in this series are 11-10 to 10 Capitals. Shots in this series are 109-105 Washington. Last night, the Penguins outshot Washington 24-21. Every game has been tight just like that. Ovechkin's been really good in three out of the four games. Crosby's been productive in three out of the four games. Both goalies have found their game. Every inch of ice seemed to be contested last night, and space is disappearing with every passing game. This bitch could go either way. No Tom Wilson wound up being a big factor in this game. For one, every Penguin left the game with their heads intact. That's the first time this has happened this series. But Washington's top line was scrambled, and that seemed to screw with Alex Ovechkin. He didn't register a shot on goal. He was a minus one. I've been critical of Tom Wilson, and that's probably an understatement because I don't think he's a good player. He had been having a good series, though, and Devontae Smith-Pelly ain't as good as him. He's not the physical presence that can skate the way Wilson can. He's physical. Uh, He's not a great skater. Wilson routinely wins puck battles because he's strong and you're afraid that you're going to die if you go into the corner with him. He's also a tremendous penalty killer when he's not the guy in the box. They missed him big time last night. That being said, it's his own fault for not being out there. And it's not like they're missing the second coming of Wayne Gretzky. Jake Gensel is the second coming of Wayne Gretzky. They're not missing Jake Gensel. Tom Wilson, not relevant. Speaking of not relevant, former ESPNer Britt McHenry tweeted after the game, Congrats, Pittsburgh. You had to whine for one of your best players to get suspended for three games. And then you won one at home. Welcome to the jungle. See you for Game 5 in D.C. Brian Metzer of the Penguins Radio Network said last night, if someone held a gun to your head, and told you to name the best players on the Capitals in order. And you had to get to Tom Wilson before 10 seconds or he'd blow your head off. You'd lose your head. He's valuable, but he's not one of their best players. If you can't win a playoff series without Tom Wilson, you ain't a great hockey team. The Capitals have complained more about losing Wilson than the Penguins ever did about losing Malkin. They've complained more about losing one player the Penguins ever did, about losing two-thirds of their second line. Mike Sullivan always says, this is a capable group, and we've got a chance to win every time we take the ice. Meanwhile, T.J. Oshie said yesterday, quote, I think any time Wilson's out of the lineup, you feel that loss. He's become such a good player for us. It's not an easy thing to have him out of the lineup and be the same team, end quote. Good teams embrace a challenge. Mentally fragile teams dwell on things they can't control. That doesn't mean that his loss won't affect the team, but if the Penguins could take the loss of Malkin and Hagelin in stride and win a game without them, in fact, two in a row, then the Capitals can sure as bleep win a game without Tom Wilson. Bob Grove, Penguins historian, PittsburghHockeyNow.com will join us coming up in 15 minutes. We've got a lot of hockey talk on today's program. In fact, all hockey talk. On today's program, you can hear from Steve Mears, the TV voice of the Penguins, coming up at 5.20. Matt Gatchkup coming up at 6. Game four did not change my opinion that the Caps are scum. <laughs> In fact, it just reinforced the opinion that I already had. TJ Oshie left his feet, targeted Latang. He didn't throw a bow or nothing, but he had one intention, and that intention was pain. That intention was to send a message. You can do that without charging. He didn't do it there. So, bitch was parallel to the ice. To reiterate a point I made yesterday, I'll always hate the Flyers with a passion. They've been dirty since 1975, and they've had success against the Penguins in their history. Washington? Oh, no, no, they have not. Even if they were to win this series, it would be 9-2 Pittsburgh all time. Washington is closing in on the Flyers, though, for a team that I most love to hate. And it's because T.J. Oshie, as an example, is a good player. But he's a dirtbag on the ice. He runs dudes. Sure, he's an American hero. He's got a great smile and a hot girlfriend or whatever. But he's also cheap. He plays differently in terms of how he scores goals. But he reminds me of James Neal, who I despised. Nealer could score a goal or two, but he was just as likely to knee you in the head as he was to make a highlight reel play. That's why the Penguins kicked him to the curb. Oshie does not have to play that way. James Neal did not have to play that way. There can be sandpaper, but no need to jump at a dude's head. Niskanen, good player, good dude, but he cross-checked Crosby in the dome, and he tried to take Getzel out knee-to-knee earlier in the series. Brooks Orpik's a good dude and was, at one point, a solid player. He ended Ole Mata two years ago. They have so much skill. They've got a good roster. And yet, it always seems like they're doing crap like this. Maybe playing the Penguins brings it out of them because of frustration. Or maybe they just suck as people. Dmitry Orlov, another example from last night, cross checked Gensel in the dome again after he scored his goal. He didn't get hurt. It's not the most violent thing I've seen watching a hockey game, but it was pointless, it was reckless, and it was feckless. Most of all, it was typical. The Capitals have all the skill in the world to be world class, but they play like cavemen. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. If you'd like to pile on, these Caps are teetering with frustration too. For the first time all series, the old Caps reared their ugly heads, or if you're a Pittsburgh fan, they reared the faces that you'd like to see. The Capitals are either trying to use what they perceive to be slights by the league as motivation, or They're about to have a Washington-sized mental breakdown. The Penguins had some things go against them in Game 2. And you know what they did? They moved on. Mike Sullivan complained briefly about the non-goal, and it looked like it pained him. It looked like it hurt him to say something other than, we just played. But that was gamesmanship. Nothing irrational, nothing out of the ordinary. He was stoic, and he had his usual poise. Brayden Holpe last night? bitched and moaned about the Malkin goal, and that struck me differently. He rattled off why he didn't think it should be a goal, and this and that, and the puck was sitting on my pad, and Horquist took a whack, and we don't even know how we're supposed to play anymore. Horquist didn't try to play the puck, blah, 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 blah. The frustration is evident. And it wasn't just him. Not just Holpe. Nicholas Backstrom, according to reports, slammed his stick down as he walked off the ice and screamed, F this league. If you're going to slam your stick down, I get it. You lost. That stinks. Uh, I get mad sometimes just watching the games. I'll throw a hat. I'll kick my cat. Oop, did I say that on the air? I'll get mad. It happens. But for a player to slam his stick and then seemingly blame the league for the Capitals' troubles? Rubro, these are those same Capitals rearing their heads again. Is that in reference to the Wilson suspension, the upholding of the goal last night, or all the above? Either way, it ain't the league's fault that the Capitals lost last night, and it sure as hell isn't the league's fault that Tom Wilson ain't around. Be mad about the loss, slam your stick down. I can dig it. Players take losses differently, but Washington feels like they've been snake bitten against Pittsburgh for two years. And now they're lashing out in every which way. The Capitals' PR department did everything that they could do to shut the Backstrom story down before it took off. And I'll tell you why. Because it happens far too often against this team. The Capitals got all the calls in game number two. The Penguins got all the calls, and rightfully so, I might add, in game number four, and the Capitals couldn't handle it. They feel like they should have won the series last year, Washington does. They feel like they were right there against the Penguins in 2016, and if you listen to Barry No-Neck Trotz, Mr. Potato Head, he feels like the Capitals are outplaying the Penguins right now, yet here we sit at the series at 2-2. Ovechkin didn't register a shot in Game 4, and he was not made available after the game to defend his disappearing act. Why? Frustration. Also, side note, nice of the league to suspend Tom Wilson and Alexander Ovechkin for the same game. Matt Niskanen, after the game, talked about the series, saying, quote, you can complain about this or complain about that or wonder about this or whatever. Just keep playing the game really hard. Keep believing. I think we're building a belief that we can beat these guys, end quote. That has meaning in two different ways for me. First meaning is... Stop complaining, teammates. Shut the hell up. Let's play damn hockey the way the Pittsburgh Penguins play damn hockey. And the second thing is, we're building a belief that we can beat these guys? Building one? Their focus is on the Penguins. Meanwhile, the Penguins' focus is on their game. He says we're building a belief that we can beat these guys. Doesn't sound like it's all the way there yet now, does it? It doesn't sound like they know that they can beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Capitals think that they can beat Pittsburgh. The Penguins know that they can beat the Capitals because, to them, they're just another hockey team. And that's where the difference is. There's been a lot of talk about how this Capitals team has changed and learned and been resilient, but we don't know yet if that's been true. Let's see where it goes from here. For me, it's starting to feel like the last two years all over again. Again, four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. If you want to chime in, tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. We had Grant Paulson on. Or is it is it Palson? I don't know. He's from 106.7 The Fan in Washington. And they started their show talking about not the Pens and Caps, but me today.
0: By the way, Yinzer Radio went pretty well yesterday, I thought. How did it go? I, I want went
1: to ask on you about 520. that. 520.
0: So the guy was... Um, Which guy did you go on with? I don't remember his name. Adam Crowley. Okay. Uh, Adam Crowley maybe he he was pleasant I enjoyed going on his show he was actually very nice and amicable for the most part he did a couple of annoying radio e hot takey things that I wouldn't have done where he goes so go ahead and tell me why you don't think what Tom Wilson did was illegal and I'll tell you why you're wrong that was weird yeah yeah I mean you're going you're going <laughs> to the Lions Den <laughs> I, mean, I, I get it I okay tough guy but for the most part I thought it was very pleasant <laughs> cool and we had a great conversation. We bonded over, among other things, the fact that we both like pizza. Uh, he asked when I came on, he said, so let's, let's figure out what we have middle ground on here. And his first question was, do you like dogs? And I thought, well, it's a good thing Danny didn't come on. Because then they would have just started the segment of feuding because you hate dogs. But then we talked about pizza, and eventually uh-huh. we got into hockey. Nice. So it was good. I heard after I was off the air, he we went on these big diatribes about how because our teams don't win in the playoffs, we don't know anything about sports in this town. But he didn't do that while I was on the air, so hopefully... He, he saved it to you hung up to yeah. be tough. But I, I I did enjoy it, so it was a pretty good segment. I think he, I
1: represented the Grant and Danny program well. Good for you, my friend. I thought it was a fun segment. I don't remember at any point saying, uh, I'll let you have your say, and then I'll tell you when you're wrong. That never happened. Explain what you think, and then I'll tell you why you're wrong. Oh jeez! Well, at no point did I ever say At no point during the show Did I ever say we know sports better in Pittsburgh Because our teams win I've been called a pansy and soft By more Capitals fans today than I can count And they say I haven't played any contact sports So I can't possibly know what I'm talking about But we in Pittsburgh what kind of experts in contact sports Because the Steelers are always playing deep into the playoffs Unfortunately for Washington, the Redskins aren't And the Penguins are always playing deep into the playoffs And unfortunately for Washington, the Capitals aren't So I think just based on aggregate, we've seen a lot more contact sports than they have. Uh, They just don't stack up with us in terms of our knowledge of the contact sports game. We've watched a lot more of it. Yeah, I don't know what he's talking about. That guy's clearly a liar. Yeah, he's just a bold-faced liar. I don't respect him at all. That's
0: what you get in D.C.
1: Ah, man. Liars all over that place. Capitol Hill, 106.7 The Fan. Liars all up and down that place. Pennsylvania Avenue. I do like Grant, although I will say this. He said I did the radio shock jock move of saying I'll tell you how you're wrong, and he did the radio shock jock move of saying I don't remember that guy's name. Whenever he clearly did, what was his name? Grant Paulson. Paul Paulson, yeah. Paulson, yeah. O W. Greg Paulson. 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 Paulson.
2: Greg Paulson.
1: Coming up next, Bob Grove, Penguins historian, also writer for PittsburghHockeyNow.com. This series could go on for months and I'd be happy. It's the Crowley Show. Explain what you think and then I'll tell you why you're wrong. Jamie tweets at underscore Adam Crowley, We are to the Caps what the Pats are to the Steelers. We feel... We closed the gap, but still can't beat the Pats. Steelers focus on Pats like Caps focus on the Pens. And then he adds, By the way, last two days, iHeartRadio has picked up maybe 15 seconds of your conversations while on break. Can hear you and your producer talking to each other. (laughs) Wow, we're going to have to have that looked at. Oh, boy. Uh, I don't know what's going going on there.
0: Tom, look into that. Uh, You should
1: really try to fix that, Tom. Immediately. High priority. This series, to me, is a coin flip right now. These teams are so evenly matched. The shots are almost equal. The goals scored overall in the series are 11-10. Washington, uh, both teams have three power play goals, although one was an empty winner for the Penguins last night. I don't know what to think. But Bob Grove probably does. Penguins historian, writer for PittsburghHockeyNow.com. Bob, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today.
2: Yeah, Adam, thanks for having me.
1: Bob, are you leaning one way or the other right now in terms of which way you see the series going?
2: I'm not gonna, I mean, before the series, I liked the Penguins in seven, and I agreed with what you just said. I think there, there's really not a whole lot difference between these two teams. Um, but the big thing that's different is one's a defending two-time Stanley Cup champion, a team that believes even when things go bad, that they can write them, that they can find a way to win. And the others, you know, the others, a team that's got a lot of guys who have never had that success and, um, have been on the brink of it, have never been able to pull through. I think that's always going to be a big thing in this series.
1: To that point, did the Penguins finally resemble the form of past championship teams in the third period last night being able to salt that one away?
2: Well, yeah. And let's face it, closing down games for them has not been, uh, has not been a consistent thing. You know, in, in the last, uh, well, late in the regular season and, and into the playoffs, they, they certainly haven't closed down games the way you wanted to. And already in this series, they've lost a the game they were leading after two periods. So, um, you know, in game three uh so that is a huge development for them to have a third period like that where they give up just three shots and really you know kept them kept the caps to the outside for the most part and um they've won games like that in the past couple of seasons so uh, boy if you're sullivan you gotta love seeing that
1: i think so too i didn't think that they were great defensively maybe at the start of the game but they certainly warmed to the task and i think you can't really disagree with the fact that maybe that was their best defensive period, the third period of all the playoffs.
2: Yeah, I would agree. And um, look, there's a lot of guys on this team who were, you know, who were still around in 2016. You know, for that first cup under Sullivan. And one of the things I'll never forget about that clinching game. Was and people don't really talk about it too much, but you want to talk about closing down a game. Uh, the Sharks had two shots in the third period with their, you know, their chance to win the Stanley Cup on the line on home ice. Uh, was an incredible demonstration of what can happen when you really put your mind to it. So, yeah, I would say that's their best, uh, that's their best defensive period. Look, they, it's not about the number of uh, shots they're giving up because they're leading the league. They're giving up the fewest shots per game in the NHL-Stanley Cup playoffs. But I think for me, it's the quality of chances, right from 17 seconds into game one. An odd man break that leads to a pass from Ovechkin and a breakaway. And, you know, last night you had Stevenson got in alone in the first period. You know, Beagle had a breakaway shorthanded. So it's about the quality of chances is is where they've slipped up for me.
1: To flip it to the Capitals' side, how much do you think that they missed Tom Wilson?
2: Oh, they I think it's in their head, and I think they definitely miss him on the ice. I mean, he's a guy who opens up space. I mean, and there, there's no question about it. I mean, it, Ovechkin and Kuznetsov benefit so much from the way he plays uh, because he separates guys from pucks, and he wins puck battles because of, um, you know, maybe guys that you know, because of his physical dominance over them when he's battling for the puck, and then it ends up on either one of those two guys' sticks, and they take it from there. So they... No question they miss him. And I think that's the, you know, when I hear this stuff about Backstrom coming off the ice last night, that's what's in his head. He, that's, to me, that's what he's commenting on. That's what he's saying is we're basically, the underlying message I take out of that is we're a totally different team when Tom Wilson's not on, the, not playing for us. Because the first line, you know, went head-to-head with Sid and with Latang and Dumoulin, and they got completely outplayed. And that, you know, and the other thing, Devontae Smith-Pelly, look, he's a fourth-liner. And so, for whatever Barry Trotz's reasons are for putting them up there, okay, but that was, for me, never going to work, and they've got to come up with something different uh, for for Game Five.
1: You mentioned the Backstrom coming off the ice last night. Do you feel like? The frustration level starting to boil over a little bit for Washington. I hadn't sensed it much from them in the series, and then it's almost like one thing goes wrong—the Wilson stuff. Oh, she talks about it before the game, and now it seems to be permeating out of the locker
2: room after the game. Yeah, you're kind of feeling that way, like it's trending that way. But you know, this—this this is what I mean about having that kind of champions—a uh, sort of a champions mindset. And whereas the Penguins have it, and the Capitals, for me, have really kind of never had it. Uh, you can't be thinking that way. Like if you just asked me before the series, I'd have said this is probably two-two going to Game Five because, like I said, I think it's going seven anyway. So if you're the Capitals, I think you, you know you, your outlook should be it's a best of three, and we got two of them at home. And not thinking about the guy you don't have, but thinking about the other ways you can you know you can play better. And, and where's their you know they don't have a lot of scoring balance. How can they create more at even strength? I mean, here you look at Oshie. A guy who's doing all his damage much like the Caps on the power play. They, they they they're they're living and dying on the power play right now. And that was true in the first round against Columbus as well. I mean I look back and it. I think Oshie hasn't doesn't have an even strength goal in his last nineteen playoff games. He's 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 given them the zip at even strength. And you know, they're missing Burakovsky and people aren't talking about that. Not that he would turn a series, but he's a support guy that would help them a lot they've got to find ways to be better at even strength. I mean, they only had 12 shots on goal through two periods of game three, and it was a similar number, a few more, last night, but the Penguins then shut them down. And so if you can keep the Capitals from being on the power play too much, you're going to be in good shape.
1: Bob Grove, Penguins historian, PittsburghHockeyNow.com, joining us here on the show. Uh, Apart from Tom Wilson not being there, why were the Penguins so effective against that Ovechkin line, and Ovechkin in particular, last night?
2: Well... I thought the gaps they had on him coming out of the zone were really good, and I just think they never ever lost track of him. And I think Sid, you know, going against Kuznetsov, will you know he'll handle himself defensively anytime he gets an assignment like that. But I really have liked, even though even though Ovechkin, look, he's been getting a goal every game up until last night. But when you start stop and think about the way they played him last night, especially on the power play through this series, I think the Penguins have really they have been so focused on Ovechkin in the left circle, making sure pucks don't get through to him. And I think last night they, they kind of transferred that to a, an all-the-time, five-on-five focus as well. So there's a little bit of kudos um, for Chris Latang, who's got to see a lot of them on his side of the ice. And, look, when you think about the fact that Ovechkin's played 76 games in his career against the Penguins regular season and playoffs, and this is the first time he's ever gone without a shot on goal against them, that is saying something.
1: Bob, what has made Jake Gensel so, so good? And ha- have you ever really seen anything like this?
2: You can't compare what he's doing really to anybody in Penguins history for me. Because you can go back and, you know, you can look at the young guys who came up. And, you know, whether you go back to Pierre LaRouche or whoever you go back to, Michel Briere. certainly, of course, different game at that, those eras. But they weren't scoring at this pace. Um, what this kid is doing is, is absolutely amazing. And look... You didn't come out of the regular season saying, "Well, Gensel's, you know, obviously going to go on a tear in the playoffs because he had a good regular season. He didn't have a great, he didn't have an outstanding one. You know, he had some lengthy kind of droughts where where things weren't happening. But now you get to the postseason, and he just takes it to a completely different level. I mean, it's it's incredible to watch." He's he's not afraid. He's not afraid to go to the hard areas to score. Look where he scored last night, uh, and he paid the price for it too. I mean, this is not a guy who just you know dangles you and then you know whips a wrist shot by you. He, he beats you all kinds of different ways. Uh, even strength can score on the power play, and huh, you got to wonder: would they might you want to get him on the first power play unit instead of yeah. Kessel? The way he's going right now, and the way Phil's going. So it's it's amazing to watch him play right now.
1: Yeah, we'll go right to that then, and let me throw this out there
2: i'm not gonna heap
1: all kinds of criticism on kessel based on what he did the last two playoff runs i mean he was a big time hero for the penguins Uh, i'm not gonna heap too much on broussard because he dealt with the injury and had to transition from ottawa but which one of those two right now has been a bigger disappointment
2: oh boy um look if i had to pick i'd say broussard um for me, and here's why: because, uh, like many people, I think Phil's hurt, and so I always I have respect. I don't understand guys playing through injury in the regular season, but I totally get it in the playoffs, yeah. and I respect it. And he, I mean, right now he's just he doesn't have much, and it's like he can't handle the puck. So uh, I think he is hurt. I don't know what's wrong with him. You know, he took a slash late in the season, et cetera. But uh, you know, Broussard though should be recovered from the injury that he had late. In, in the season, and he, he certainly should be – I think it was fair to say he's coming from a defensive-oriented team to a team that plays completely different and give him some time to figure that out. Um, but, you know, you go back in his career, the other places he's played in, especially in New York, I mean, it shouldn't take him that long. I, I just – I mean, look, he barely played last night. Yeah. he played. He played less than 11 minutes. He saw the second fewest playoff minutes in a game in his career last night. The Penguins started him on the fourth line um, in game three. I think that tells you where they think of him. I mean, Broussard, if Broussard isn't showing up on the score sheet, he's not doing what you need him to do. So he's been a, he's been a major disappointment. But to be fair, you know, if you're playing with Sherry, who's not doing anything. You know, so you're down there with Sherry, and you, and, and um, you know uh, the last game I believe, and then it was Cunhaq and Rust, and I don't think Rust is playing. that Last no. night it was those two guys. <laughs> you know, you, you can't expect them. Give them ten minutes, put them with those two guys. He's not going to get three points. It's not going to happen. But he's played with Sherry and Phil and some of these other games, and they're both struggling. So I get you know a little asterisk there, but Broussard's not been good enough for me.
1: Do you like the idea of Simone up with Crosby and Hornquist with Malkin?
2: Um, not particularly. I don't, I think Simone's okay, but I, I don't, I, I you know, it, it, I thought Hornquist and Crosby, especially in games, uh, um game three, I thought their chemistry was so evident throughout that game. Um just the way they were just reading, reading off each other, and he knows them so well. And then you come back, I, I thought for sure that, that, you know, it would be Gino playing with, uh, Kessel. And, and I, I don't, I, I don't get, that they're not doing that. And Simone is, you know, he had an egregious turnover. And uh, earlier in the series, that led to a Capitals goal. And uh, I don't know. I mean, the kids, he's doing okay. But I I don't, I I was a little surprised by that.
1: Last couple of things here for Bob Grove. Uh, Did Murray look like he regained it last night, Bob?
2: Yeah, I thought he was good. I mean, again, he's not seeing a ton of shots. Um, and he took that, you know, he took that shot that uh, numbed his arm there for a minute or so. And he obviously, you know, you could see he wasn't quite himself. Uh, and he got beat only once. You know, good shot by Oshie in the high slot. Uh, I thought he was much, much better because, as we all know, in Game Three, uh, he could have gave up a lot more goals than he did because he was he was leaking a few through. In addition to um, you know the Niskanen one that was should have been stopped and was a big goal to give up. So I thought he bounced back pretty nicely.
1: I've been saying this a bunch lately. I hate the Flyers. I think a lot of people in Pittsburgh, most people in Pittsburgh who are Penguins fans would agree with me that that is the preeminent rival for this hockey team. But the way that Washington plays irritates me, and that's probably not a strong enough word given how much talent they have. And yet, Ovechkin ran Gonchar. You go back to 2009. Uh, even Niskanen's throwing knees out there on Gensel the other night. TJ Oshie leaves his feet. They've got so much skill, yet they use their powers for evil, not good.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, I would generally agree with that. And this is, again, this is for me, this is where the Penguins are in their heads. And so every hockey player has been through this situation where you get this frustration level because you're losing a game late, like Oshie last night, but like to launch himself at LaTang like that. Uh, you know, and then you see the backroom thing after the game, et cetera, et cetera. You can, I mean, you can go right through the different years where you've seen them do this. The, the Penguins are in their heads. This is as much a mental challenge for the Washington Capitals playing the Penguins as it is a physical challenge. And I would generally agree with you that they're a good enough team if they could just play the game and get through the mental parts of it. But um, you know, they just haven't been able to do it. And We'll see. I think we'll know more. We'll know more in game five. I mean, because, you know, the best teams and the Penguins are big evidence of this. You, you lose a game, even if it's a tough, you just put it behind you. In the playoffs, you don't have the, you don't have time to dwell on this stuff. The next game comes two days later, and you better have it, um, or then you're really in trouble. And so let's see how the Capitals respond to losing that game uh, on home ice.
1: Bob, really great stuff, as always, man. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks for having me, Adam. Take care. There he goes, Bob Grove. PittsburghHockeyNow.com, Penguins historian. He's as good as it gets in terms of hockey knowledge in this city. If you go back from the inception of the Pittsburgh Penguins on, I think Paul Steigerwald, same kind of thing. Their knowledge of the team over the years and their knowledge of the game is just fabulous. So very happy to have him on the show today. Coming up next, from Bob Grove to Britt McHenry. Wow, what a big drop-off there. We're going to be talking about our tweets. And we've also got the 5-Minute Major. It's the Crowley Show. Jamie says, guys, it is possible. I just heard you on the air during the commercial break. There's no way. Not happening. There's no chance, Jamie. Braden tweets at underscore Adam Crowley and FBomber73. I think I heard it that time. Yeah, that's weird. Get time to fix it. Definitely on the air. Tell hmm. me your shorts are not happening. I'm positive. Hmm. That's weird. What's that guy's name, Jamie? Yes. Is Jamie High? It's possible. He'd have had to have been high for the last two weeks, though, because he said the pause continues to happen, and I don't know what he's talking about. Jeez, Jamie. Lay off the stuff, buddy. I brought this up with Bob Grove in the last segment, and I tweeted it out earlier in the week. The Capitals are everything that's wrong with the league wrapped up in a nice, neat little package. They've got the skill to play the right way, yet, guys like Wilson run around like it's 1975. And some Caps fan just hops into my mentions right now and said, This coming from a supporter of a team that employed professional thug Matt Cook, a guy once suspended for 10 games and an entire playoff series in the same year. Hey, just because the Penguins employed the guy didn't mean that I liked the fact that they did that. Now, Tom is a hater, producer Tom, behind the glass of everything that Tom Wilson's brought to the table, and yet he wore a Matt Cook jersey yesterday. That's where you'll find the hypocrites. I'm not one. I hated James Neal, who was kneeing people in the head. I did not like Matt Cook, who was always running around. I think that hockey is a physical sport where there is a fine line whether or not you're trying to go out there and hurt people. Matt Cook always was trying to hurt people. Rafael Torres was always trying to hurt people. Brad Marchand, Nazem Qadri at times are trying to hurt people. And of course, Tom Wilson on that list. The Penguins don't employ that guy anymore. And they don't employ anybody like that. In the last three years, they've been trying to change the league with the way that they play. And I think they've largely been successful in that regard. Most teams are playing with speed right now. Most teams are playing and trying to win with skill. The Capitals have the skill to win that way. They're just not doing it because why? I don't know. They have one foot in the dark ages and the other foot in modern hockey, and that ain't no way to win. Britt McHenry. Formerly of ESPN, uh, she is a failed Tommy Lauren. She wants to be a blonde woman conservative who's going to get people all riled up with her tweets and her opinions. And she just hasn't been able to do that effectively in that arena. Now, she did trigger Pittsburgh yesterday, but it's because she was triggered herself She said, quote, congrats, Pittsburgh. You had to whine for one of our best players to get suspended three games to win one at home. Welcome to the jungle. See you for game five in D.C. I wasn't aware that the Penguins were traveling to Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati to play the next game. Hey, you stupid twit. Here's the thing about Britt McHenry. She's trying to hang on to her last vestiges of being relevant. She's not. She's got a bunch of followers because she's not bad to look at. Uh, She's also a terrible person, and I don't know if you guys know this. She went to Northwestern J School. She did. Uh, I know, surprising. Uh, She never flaunts that at all. Uh, She doesn't scream at people in parking garages about it either. One of the reasons she got fired from ESPN was because she doesn't know sports. Uh, She certainly, sure as bleep, doesn't know hockey. Oh, Washington's one of the toughest places to play. Yeah, unless it's Game 7 against Pittsburgh. And then it's not tough to play there at all. you score a goal and everyone poops their pants. It stinks to high heaven, but it's not a tough place to play. Then some Rangers fan, somebody who's verified I didn't look into them at all, said, "Come on, you can't honestly think that Tom Wilson deserves to be su- not be suspended and she said quote in another tweet, "I've always said Tom Wilson plays dirty one game for cumulative behavior I understand maybe two three's a fix." He left one skate because he was about to fly into the bench. Two, D.C. isn't the best. Honestly, MSG is, but see how pissed the fans are at home now. Three, Latang slashes and Crosby cries. That would actually be four, Britt, but uh, you know how to count because you went to J school at that great college in Chicago. Here's the deal, lady. You've got a case of the look over he's Well, Tom Wilson's not bad because LeTang slashes and Crosby's a whiner. If I have a kid that whines, I'll be a hell of a lot happier than if I have a kid who beats other kids up at school. Because eventually that kid's going to make me have to pay to get him out of jail. Bail city. If my kid whines, sure he might be a victim. But he's probably going to be the dude who's bailing that guy out of jail later in life because he'll have the cash. There's no comparison between crying and slashing and headshots that break dudes' jaws. Also, I know you don't understand hockey. I know you don't. Because if you did, you'd have to understand that you can't just suspend him for one game. Cumulative behavior means, hello, he's a repeat offender. And when you're a repeat offender, they're going to punish you more the more you do it. You know what? I'm just feeding into her becoming more relevant. My show is up 700% in the ratings. And now Britt McHenry's been mentioned to scores of thousands here in the Pittsburgh area. And beyond on iHeartRadio. So I'm done with her. What I do love, though, is that Stan, who's as docile as they come, he's the guy who would probably bail you out of prison. He's that guy. He ripped her a new one on Twitter. Called her a twit. An irrelevant twit. Uh, it could be a dangerous there with a typo, but I like the fact that Stan pulled his gloves off. Going right for her. He's it
2: down, loaded up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can't be done?
0: Breaker Breaker 1 9. We got a 20 on an evil Knievel in the bushes, snapping picks and shooting flicks on the granny side of Potomac between Green Tree and Banksville. So slow your roll and avoid that ditch because Britt McHenry's a dumbass pitch. 412 922 2874. You see a Miss Piggy, Mama Bear, Baby Bear, Papa Bear, Bear in the bushes, through a Bear in the air? You give us a holler. We'll get you home without that extra freight. You remember, keep your shiny side up and your skins on the ground. He's pounding down, loaded up man trucking. Are we
1: going to do what they say
2: can't be done. We've got a long way to go, and it's short time to get there. I mean, just watch bandit run. It's time to get pucked up with some of the
0: best damn hockey talk on the planet. You go to the box, you know, uh, you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. This
1: is the 5-Minute Major with Adam Crowley. Tom Wilson's a bitch, too. Uh, I just feel Title nine got to got to get it on both sides here. Uh, gotta, gotta, I feel like we got to even that out. You got to be fair, man. Yeah, uh, Barry Trotz, he's a bitch. <laughs> uh, T.J. Oshie, he's a bitch, too. Hope he's a bitch. Hey, he's a bitch. Chad Ruedel, I thought, had to play the game yesterday on that Verona breakaway. Verona is just a sieve defensively. I mean, he is atrocious, but the guy can skate. The guy's got some offensive game, and Rust, I thought, led the charge effectively the other way until he turned the puck over. Verona comes back on the break, and I thought, son of a gun, they're going to blow a lead in the third period again due to an odd man breakaway, and Chad Ruedel, with just a picturesque breakup of that play. Usually you'll find that the stick gets up in the hands, uh, or you'll trip the player, but what Chad Rawidal did on that play was sublime. As he dipped the shoulder to get in front of Verana and muscled him off the puck that way. No penalty was going to be called. It was fabulous hockey. And you know who doesn't make that play? I'll give you three guesses, Tom. Go. Ian Cole. I guess you didn't I guess you didn't need the other two. Chad Rawidal made a nice play there. Hell of a play. Matt Murray played well despite all kinds of obstacles. He stunk in the previous game. You can't let that goal in to Matt Niskanen. He did, but as Matt Murray said after the game, he's never focused on anything other than trying to stop that next puck. And some people say it as cliche. Matt Murray's a whack job, and I believe him. He lets in a terrible goal. The next puck he wants to save, and the next puck he's going to stop. Following a playoff loss, Murs is eleven and two with a one nine three goals against average and a nine twenty one save percentage. And he was able to do all that by saving a puck with his clavicle and then getting up to play the game some more. That guy's tough as nails. That guy's mentally tough as nails. And the Capitals just, I don't think, are. So advantage Penguins if that guy's in the net moving forward. As for Mike Sullivan, he put Hornquist with Malkin, and I thought it worked. I know Grover didn't like it, and he said so earlier on in the program. Simone's just okay, but Crosby and Gensel are going to carry anyone at this point. If it's me up there, they're going to carry it. Uh, They just are. Uh, They're just that good right now. Jake Gensel's playing better playoff hockey than I've ever seen anybody play in my entire life. And I've watched Lemieux and Yager and Crosby and Stahl and Malkin. Uh, The guy's just on fire. So, I'm okay with it to spread the wealth a little bit. The first line's still going to be productive. And now the second line allows Malkin to play a more straightforward game. Hornquist is going to go north and south. Malkin likes to play east and west. Their game's mesh. That line was good last night. And I thought Dominic Simone had a couple of good chances. Coming up next, we're going to take a momentary break from Pucks. Yeah, just momentary. Because Ben Roethlisberger made some headlines today. And I'm sick of him. I'm sick of it! I'll also talk about how great Jake Gensel is. I'm wearing sweatpants right now, and it's probably a bad idea. It's a Crowley Show.